We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. We have a kind of a reputation of being the young, the young diehard fans. How is that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Hey, good. Let's keep it under 25 minutes, all right? the underage Packers podcast this is episode 103 and today we are here to recap the Packers 2022 draft class so it should be an exciting one we brought on our friend Jake Morley who writes pretty much everywhere he writes on walls he writes on the carpet um mainly he writes on uh Packer report um as well as North Dakota State University report and Kansas City sports guy he's everywhere you know, he is art is everywhere. So make sure to check him out and make sure to listen to this episode first. So because he just had a ton of knowledge to pour on all of us. So it was a fun chat with him. Um, but before we head into that, let, let's introduce ourselves. So, you know, we'll be we'll be, um, you know, kind. We'll, we'll introduce ourselves, get to know each other. I am Joey. So thank you for tuning into this episode and joining me is my co-host, as always, sported and is all Milwaukee sports gear. Big B, how you doing? Fantastic. I want to ask, you know, we, we are in the thick of the NBA playoffs. You know, can you give me a report? I, I try to watch when I can, the Milwaukee Bucks and the playoffs. Um, but give us a report. I know they didn't do too well on, what was it, Tuesday night. They play again tonight against Boston at, at the Pfizer Arena or Center or whatever. You know, yeah. give us an update. Give us your thoughts on the, the Bucks playoff run so far. Yeah, well, uh, round one was uh, easy, I guess you would say. Yeah. Uh, against uh, Norman Chicago Bulls. So that was a fun series. I enjoyed that a lot. Celtics, of course, is a very, very touch, tough matchup. Probably going to go to game six or game seven. It's the, Boston's probably one of the better teams in the, I think it's East. I don't know. I'm, I thought I'm you were Catholic. like, you lost a term for the NBA. I yeah. Was, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, Bucks are going to win the finals from a casual. That's what we say, I guess. You're accused of being a casual fan. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, man, I am all for it. I really wish I could have watched more of the playoff run last year. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, since I follow so many people that are Bucks fans, I thought this year, hey, I might as well watch it. So. Like I said, when I have a free night, I definitely enjoy getting some Ween Stop, the superior um, Ween restaurant, by the way, uh, yes, watching playoff, some bucks. Playoffs are way better than a regular season. So, Oh, yeah. I, I simply don't know how people watch the whole regular season of any sport besides football. It, mm-hmm. it seems tiring. Yes. But that is enough Milwaukee Bucks talk on this episode. Let's head in now to our conversation with Jake. We are now joined by Jake Morley here on episode 103 of the Underage Packers podcast. Uh, Jake, thanks so much for joining us. Do you have a Dr. Pepper in hand with you? I don't. I actually, that's hilarious you asked, though. I do have a, a Fanta orange oh. soda. I, okay. I, I should have had a DP, man. I knew I knew that was coming. That's on me. That's on me, fellas. Not following the brand. Um, even though you don't have a Dr. Pepper, I will allow you uh, to plug where people can find you as far as socials and uh, websites go. So if you want to take opportunity to plug those. Sure. Yeah, you can follow me over uh, on Twitter at Jacob Morley. I'm actually switching my name to that right now. 
So funny story about that. Uh, so I grew up in North Dakota and I, I moved to Kansas city for college and I didn't realize that there was a really, really popular barbecue place called Jack stack. So my name is actually Jake stack. And oh. so I, I couldn't get away from that. I mean, right. people, every time people would ask me what my name was, it was, have you been to this barbecue place? Have you been to this barbecue place? So I finally, like all my socials when I was in college, then kind of just turned to Jacob Morley. But Morley is actually my middle name. Like a lot of people don't know that. But uh, yeah, you can follow me over there on Twitter, Jacob Morley. I write for uh, Packer Report, uh, do Pack a Day, uh, do stuff for the Kansas City Sports Network as well around here. Just a thousand different places. Pretty much anyone that'll let me come talk, I'll I'll come talk or I'll write or do whatever. But sure. but yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Awesome. My brother uh, used to live in Kansas City, so I'll ask him, have to ask him if he's heard of that. Um, he will. He'll know what it is. <laughs> uh, when I was uh, watching your Twitter feed on day three, I was incredibly impressed because you were just on fire with uh, Romeo Dubs pick and then Zach Tom. So hopefully uh, you can educate us and our listeners about everything you know about the draft. Um, and, and let's start with the very start of the draft with uh, pick 22, one that I before the draft was kind of like, I know who this guy is. I don't know. I'll, I'll be very happy if Roger Goodell goes and announces his name. And that was kind of the reaction of a lot of Packers fans on Twitter, at least. Uh, but, Jake, can you give us your thoughts on uh, Quay Walker and kind of how he fits in this Packers defense? Yeah, I mean, Quay Walker, first and foremost, is a really good football player. And I know I was I was live. Uh, I was live on a radio show when that happened. And people are, you know, who is it going to be? What's the pick going to be? And, you know, I said the usual suspects of, you know, a lot of people were talking about George Karloftis. I thought Logan Hall's name was kind of mentioned in that uh, in that range as well. You know, at that point in time, we were kind of like, eh, you know, the receivers are really off the board. Like, yeah, you know, could they could they take George Pickens here? Could they take Christian Watson here? Like, I thought maybe, you know, but like just knowing the way the Packers operate, I think everyone that follows them is was kind of at the same place where it was, hey, I doubt they take a receiver at this point. Um, so I, I went through all that. But then I also last, you know, 30 seconds before the pick, I, I feel like I like blacked out and I was just like, all right. Quay Walker, Quay <laughs> Walker is is a name, and like I said, his name multiple times. I was like, "That's a guy that's name is getting thrown around," and it's weird because in the past, too, like I've had these moments of clarity with like within one minute of the mm. like of the pick of like who they're yeah. gonna take. Um, I remember Just I did have it for, this gut feeling that you got to yeah. Like I out. remember uh, Justin Harrell was a guy. I was like, "It's gonna be Justin," oh, Harrell. No. and then it was Dayton that's, Jones. That's was not a good guy. sign. It's oh, like, no, no. Dayton, Justin Harrell. Uh, Quay Walker was another one, but also I had that gut feeling about like Clay Matthews uh, when they traded up. I knew that was, I just had a feeling. So there's hope, there's hope. And especially for the linebacker position. Uh, but as far as, you know, Quay, what he brings to this team, you know, he is, he's your upside guy. When you look at the way this team has drafted in the past, they've gotten younger guys that have all the physical makeup of an all pro level player. And that is who Quay Walker is. His best football is still in front of him. At least that is what the Packers are definitely betting on. Um, just because you look at the way he plays the game and there were times where you could, you know, and in certain games where you'd watch that Georgia defense and he was the third inside linebacker that they were using in that game. 
And you may take that and say, like, oh, well, he must not be very good. But you got to remember, I mean, Georgia's front seven was stupid, stupid good. So they they had that luxury to kind of play the matchups. And I think in Green Bay, what he'll do is um, we, we I guess we don't know. They, they're there literally like right now working yeah. out, you know, getting through that stuff. We're starting to start to see some of the pictures and people are talking about how big he is. And he is he's a big boy. Um, and you look at that and you look at that length. And I think the first thing that my mind went to with him was, is they're going to use him as a rush linebacker. I would not be surprised at all if they saw the way, you know, Dallas used Micah Parsons last year and they're going to come through and, and say, Hey, we want that. We want that guy on our team. And the guy that fits that mold the closest um, in this draft is, is Quay. Um, now I'm not saying he's going to be Micah Parsons. I'm not saying that I'm not making that. He's going to be comment. better than Micah Parsons. Yeah, that's exactly. He's going to be better. Yeah. Uh, he'll actually win defensive player of the year this year and, and, and lead his team to a Super Bowl. Obviously. Right. You heard it here first. Uh, but he does have those tools. And even if they can get 80% of what Micah Parsons was his rookie year, uh, that would be that would be phenomenal for this defense. Mm-hmm. Um, what he can add to the team in that regard. He's also, you know, we talked about the talent that they had in the front seven at Georgia uh, with uh, Tittle. It was the other inside linebacker. And then Nicobe Dean was one that everybody knows. And some people might even say, why didn't they take Nicobe Dean? Uh, both of those guys are really good players too. But when you talk about like an overhang defender, a guy that they would trust to kick out and cover the slot, it wasn't either of those two guys. It was Quay. It's Quay Walker would kick out and they let him do that because he has, you know, the requisite length, the requisite uh, change of direction, ability, instincts, you know, speed, athletic ability, all that stuff to really be a versatile tool um, in this defense. And I mean, for goodness sake, you have Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker now who both have 80 plus wingspan sitting in the middle of your field. So when you want to talk about length or playing like a zone defense, you know, playing basketball, the thing you always tell, especially young kids, just get your hands up, just get your hands up, make yourself look. I mean, it's, it's very elementary, but Length matters, and I think that's where he's going to fit in with this team. And I think they're really going to be hard to throw the ball over the middle of the field, which is something that they have, you know, for a long time been really, oh, yeah. really bad at defending. Uh, that may actually be a strength of this team at this point. Man, you're getting me pumped up here in early May about those Packers defense. Um, but, yeah, it will be very interesting to see how they use him early on, uh, especially because I think they also view this pick as I don't know if a Band-Aid would be the right word, but uh, a different way to fix their safety position, uh, dimebacker to be able to cover those tight ends, running backs out of the backfield that they really had a problem at last year. Um, so we'll be interested to see how they use them early on. Um, then you were mentioning that Georgia front seven and one of the main components on there was Devontae White, who the Packers obviously selected at pick 28. Um, and you know, I've done plenty of highlight watching on Devante. Um, and one thing that I want to ask you, Jake, um, both these picks are kind of out of the ordinary for the Packers in the first round going with a inside linebacker. And then a 25 year old is not what the Packers would typically do. So, I mean, to a certain extent, I would think it's just on a player to player basis. They like these two players, but do you think um, there was a specific reason why we saw this change from the Packers this year. I mean, there's there's the COVID stuff, you know, that the, some of these guys are a year older. But I think they really just viewed Devontae as 
the best interior pass rusher that was available in this class. Mm. And I, I, I get how you could land at that spot because I think at that point he probably was, you know, even, even probably better than Jordan. I mean, he, as far as winning quick from the inside, that is what he's really good at. And they talked about it in the off season. They talked about wanting an interior guy that can play next to Kenny, that it can, can kind of generate some of that interior pass rush and Wyatt is probably the best at doing that right now. And I think that phrase too, right now is important because Mm -hmm. with a guy that is 24 will be 25 at the end of his rookie year. I think, I think he just turned 24 actually, but Mm -hmm. in in any case, he is an older guy. He's an older prospect. They, They typically have, you know, steer clear that he'll be 29 approaching 30 when his first, you know, his, if they decide to pick up his fifth year. So with that said, it, it is kind of interesting because you look at this team and they are kind of caught in that weird spot of, we typically don't draft this way versus we need dudes right now. And I think why it could be a dude right now. And if that's only for the length of his rookie contract, I think you have to view that and say, you know what, he was the second pick that we had if he can get this defense to a new level and is in that rookie contract, then that's great. And honestly, that should be the, the mindset because a lot of these rookies don't make it to their second contract anyways, even if they are 20, you know, when they're drafted. So if he can come in right away and be that guy. Now I do, I do subscribe to the thought of once you're 24, you're kind of done as a prospect. Like, I don't know how much more you can develop physically with, with Wyatt he's already there though. That's the thing. He's already an elite level athlete. Um, So if he comes in and can be an above average player, above average to good next to Kenny Clark, I think that's kind of what they're shooting for. I think his ceiling is higher than maybe what I even give him credit for, but I think his floor is really high. Mm. I think he's going to come in and kind of just right away be a grown man on that line of scrimmage and be able to play next to Kenny. And that the interior defensive line is deeper than it's been in, in years. So um, yeah. that's exciting to watch too. That front, the front seven, like I know a lot of people talk about, well, if the season started tomorrow, who would be catching passes from Aaron Rodgers, blah, blah, blah. If the season started tomorrow, this defense would be ready to roll. Absolutely. And I think that's what we're going to see kind of, you know, look at the 2019 team where it was like, man, that team was carried the first half of the season by the defense. We mm-hmm. might be in for something like that again this year. Interesting. Yeah. I have found it. I was looking forward to seeing how the Packers would go about this offseason, considering the window they had with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it was pretty much a given. Uh, we all knew by the time the season came to an end that he'd be back. So I was very interested to see how they would go about this and how they would try to fit in this window that is still unknown at this point. But they know it's not going to be longer than four or five years. So trying to yep. do that, retain Devontae Adams, and also beef up these other positions while not having to rely on the development of guys that will come along two or three years later, while also staying true to, you know, uh, their draft philosophy, juggling a lot of things there in order to put together this team. Um, So you did see a a mix of that, um, you know, staying true to the philosophy. You saw them investing in upside with Quay Walker, um, but also from the positions and the ages kind of changing from what they typically do in the draft. Um, The one thing about this draft that was completely different, though, was the fact that draft analysts were big fans of it, especially day two and day three. And it almost gets Mm -hmm. me scared. Like, 
man, yeah. if we if we have a like a not a D draft grade, I don't know if that's a good sign. I don't know if I want the draft analysts agreeing with me. Um, but the one thing was there was a lot of notable names Packers were able to get on day three, or at least notable to me, names that I recognize, which says a lot. So um, Bigby, let, let's go round table here. I want to ask you first, Bigby, what do you think is a Packers biggest steal from the 2022 draft? Ooh, good question. I'm going to say um, Kingsley and Nagbar. I really, really love this pick. He is the perfect replacement for Zadarius Smith. I mean, he's pretty much Zadarius Smith, practically. Um, he is probably should have gone like it like second round, maybe third round, and he fell all the way to the fifth round, which is absolutely absurd. Crazy steal, and I absolutely love this pick. I feel like you've been whatever got into you with Jamal Williams might have got into you with Kingsley already. Um, with your talk about Zadarius Smith, maybe just a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It's getting there. Yeah, a lot of uh, yeah I'm a big fan of the Kingsley pick, too. Um, we'll see what his you know, what potential looks like as far as starting, but at least for the first two, year or two, um, he's really going to fill that role of uh, a depth linebacker that the Packers really needed. Um, we saw Tipinaliai and Jonathan Garvin and a handful of other guys really struggle when they had to go out there. Unexperienced guys, it's not like Kingsley was screening any other experience along that Whitney Marsalis might have, but just another uh, depth piece that they can hope to work out better. Uh, Jake, what do you think is the biggest Packers steal? I mean, I like Kingsley a lot too, and um, I won't cop out and say that as well, but uh, when the thing, I mean, the reason he fell is because he's not an alien athlete, but I think people are forgetting or not recognizing that he's not a bad athlete either. Um, he's, he's like kind of, he's kind of between average and above average. Like he's, he's a good athlete. You know, he's got the tools. He's a better athlete than Zedarius was coming out. Um, he just does play the same way, but, uh, the guy that I, I just really like, and it's, it's a boring pick because I almost feel like when they said Zach Tom from Wake Forest, I think every Packers fan just was kind of like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Like I thought he already had a locker room. I, I thought he already had a locker at the stadium. Um, I thought he was already on the team because he is such a green Bay Packer. And I think, you know, the Packers are better than anyone in the NFL at taking these guys um, in that range and just turning them into all pro type players. And the guy that I look at, and this is going to sound bonkers and I, it's, it's getting thrown around probably way too much. Um, because of how good David Bakhtiari turned out to be. But when you look at Zach Tom, a lot of the same, a lot of the same things that made Bakhtiari a fourth round draft pick are the same things that made Tom uh fourth round. They took him in the fourth, right? Fourth or fifth, whatever he was, uh, made him a fourth round pick. You know, you look at him and if you remember when Bakhtiari came out, that was the first thing people said about him is he's, oh, he's going to play center. He's not big enough. He's not strong enough. He's going to have to play center. Um, and people are kind of saying that with Zach Tom as well. In fact, when Bakhtiari was drafted, just like Zach Tom on the Packers website, he was listed as an offensive lineman because uh, they didn't know where they're going to play him. But with Bakhtiari, uh, they stuck him at right tackle right away. And he just never lost. He just didn't lose reps. He was winning every rep in camp. And they're like, how can we take this guy away from here? He's not losing. Yeah, maybe he – Maybe he doesn't have the alien type arms. Maybe he doesn't have all the power we want right now in the run game, but we're the green Bay Packers. We throw the ball. And as long as you're keeping 12 clean, you're going to be on the field. And so with Tom, 
I feel like he's going to have that chance to, um, you know, in a similar fashion where, you know, that right tackle spot, if Elton's not healthy right away, I think it's, it's up for grabs. Like, I don't think Yash is guaranteed that job at all. And so if Zach Tom is out there playing right tackle and just winning reps left and right, left and right, why take him out? You know, yeah. and, and uh, you know, and he's going to struggle with the same things that Bakhtiari did early in his career. Yeah, he's going to get he's going to get railroaded in the run game at times. It happens, you know, especially if you're a rookie anywhere. But as long as he's keeping his butt pointed at the quarterback and not letting the quarterback get hit, uh, which he's very good at, I could see him just not coming off the field. So as far as day two, day three type picks, that's my favorite pick that they made. Um, and it's kind of a boring one, but I think, you know, they've, they've done boring stuff with offensive linemen for years and years and years, yeah. and then never really had to invest high picks in them because they're so good at taking those guys in the fourth round and turning them into very useful players. Exactly. They just have a day three offensive lineman factory that never stops working. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm also going to go with the offensive tackle here and say Rashid Walker out of Penn state in the seventh round, just another one of those guys that I was surprised to see was still available in the seventh round. Um, from what I can tell, um, just from my early on studying, is that he has he has physical tools uh, and just needs to work on the tel- technicalities. Um, and I'm sure everybody has seen um, that video on Twitter that went around, which has already made him a fan favorite uh, <laughs> here on Green Bay. Uh, but that offensive line competition will be very interesting to watch uh, all throughout camp and see – I mean, it will really be kind of like it was last year, a never-ending competition all throughout the season um, just because of all the variables that we don't know at this point. You know, you have Elton Jenkins going into a contract year, um, and whenever he returns from that ACL injury, is he going to want to stay put at left guard? Do do they think John Runyon would be better suited there and then put Elton at right tackle, depending on how the other rookies are developing Um, So I'm very excited to see how that offensive line competition goes um, along with the uh, third round pick in Sean Ryan. So should be exciting camp time if that's your thing. Back to the second round here early on Packers traded up for the the big move for the Packers this year. They finally got a weapon early on for Mr. Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson. And they paid a heavy price, you know, trading with a division rival. You're going to have to, pay a little bit of tax on that um, with the Minnesota Vikings. So they gave up both of their second rounders, um, really just giving up only one pick, though. Um, So, Jake, what do you think on Christian Watson, the only the eighth MVS replacement the Packers drafted? And uh, do you think it was the value they gave up for him was worth it? If he's good, if he's good, it'll be (laughs) worth it. That's always that's the deal is. I don't care what you had to give up if he's good. Like, I mean, nobody – do you guys remember what they gave up to go – to move back up and get Jair Alexander? Because I don't. No. You know, like, whatever. Like, whatever they gave up, it was worth. And so, that that's always – if and if Christian Watson doesn't pan out, I'm sure we'll hear about that for a long time because it's the Vikings as well. But the fun aspect of it, too, is what if he's awesome? Yeah. You know, what if he's awesome and just dunks on the Vikings twice a year for the next 10 years? That'd be great. We'll love that. That'll be so much fun. Um, so that adds another element to it as well. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Christian Watson. I think, uh, you know, watching him cause I cover, uh, North Dakota state football as well. So that's some, someone that I've been familiar with for a while. And just, it was very surreal to see his name pop up when the Packers took him. I was like, wow, they actually did it. Like they actually, 
went out and got that guy. Yeah. Um, the the thing about him is I think he'll be better earlier than people realize. And I think the reason for that is because I don't actually think he's as raw as people try to make out. Um, you look at what he did at the senior bowl and I mean, he was, he was routing people up at the senior bowl. And that's something that at North Dakota state, they just didn't really ask him to do. Um, if you're, if you're not familiar with, with North Dakota state's program, they, they run the ball. They, they throw the ball maybe a quarter of the time, and then they just ram the ball down your throats and you have to be able to block in that offense. Um, and that's something Watson does and something he got really good at beyond the point of just being good at it. You know, early in his career at North Dakota State, that was some, that was a reason why he actually didn't play early, early in his career is because like we got to get this kid up to speed on how we play the position here. And then by the end of his career, it wasn't just something he was good at. It was something he looked like he took a lot of joy in doing. You know, he's running 80 yards across the screen to try to knock somebody's face off in the, in the run game. Um, so that's something I think he's going to acclimate well to Green Bay quickly with that. I think he's a better route runner than people give him credit for right now. Um, his ability to change directions at his size is, is something that's going to be a problem for just, I mean, there's no easier way to put that. It's just going to be a problem for NFL defensive backs, even the athletes that they are. One thing I would like to see him be a little bit more physical throughout his route tree. Um, but I think that's something that he just will adapt to when he gets to the NFL level because he is such a competitor. Um, so as far as, you know, this offense and, and where they're at, throwing him into the mix with Sammy Watkins, with the holdovers and Lazard and Cobb, I just think, man, this is going to be the next evolution of this offense. There's no, there is no safety blanket in Devontae Adams. And that's not a knockout on Devontae or on Aaron Rodgers. That's just, that's the reality of it is when you have a receiver that good, um, you can, you can kind of get a little bit blind, blinded to that. Um, so we're going to see Rodgers have to actually, you know, I mean, it's tough to say that too because it's it's almost sounds like I'm knocking Aaron Rodgers. Nobody studies harder than Aaron Rodgers. Nobody's smarter than Aaron Rodgers. So he knows where to go with the ball. Um, but it is just going to be that next level of how do we want to attack you this week? Uh, we're going to have to put together a game plan that is not just well, how do we want to attack you? Get the ball to Devonte. Duh. Like yeah, that's a good, that's a really good game plan. You know, like that is. Uh, but now that they don't have that, they do actually have to say you know it's going to be Watson's week. It's going to be Watkins' week. It, you know whatever matchup they can get. But, you know, Watson is a guy, too, that they can get him the ball in space, uh, run those tunnel screens. You know, they love to run that stupid flat, you know, flat screen <laughs> no three times a game. No matter how many times it fails. Right? They but now that, that you have a guy in Watson, give it to him and see what happens. You know, so um, they'll, do, they'll do that. And, uh, and, and that'll be great. But we'll see what happens with that, those tunnel screens, all that stuff. So, um, and then, yeah, you mentioned it with MVS. I don't think, you know, MVS, he can do what MVS can do, uh, but he adds a lot of different elements, I think, to the game. Um, and I think the, like, Javon Walker comp is is probably a better one for him uh, just because I just you watch the looseness and the flexibility that he plays with. Um, Javon Walker's probably a little bit before you, your guys' oh, yeah. time. Uh, but Javon Walker was, I mean, he had a stretch of about 24 games where he was the best receiver in football. And he was, I mean, he, but then he blew his knee out, contract stuff got weird and he was gone. Um, so he's kind of like a weird blip on Green Bay's like history, but man, he had a season, him and Donald Driver, where those two were just unbelievable to watch. 
And uh, and we'll see if Watson can kind of be that type of guy. But that is honestly who I see when I watch him, just lanky and flexible and athletic. And uh, if they can get that out of him, it's going to be scary. Yeah, he will uh, certainly get his chance on the field early on in Matt LaFleur's offense uh, because of his run blocking ability simply um, won't be denied from opportunities either, uh, possibly returning punts or kicks. Um, and uh, do you, Jake, do you buy into, since you cover North Dakota as well, uh, do you buy into if he played at a bigger school that he would have been valued higher? I mean, th- probably <laughs> just because that's just kind of how it works. You know, like, yeah, if he played at USC, I think he would have been drafted in front of Drake London. I think he would have been better than him. So, uh, but he didn't. But North Dakota State where, you know, that's a really, you know, they've won nine of the last 11 FCS championships. They've they've beaten the FBS schools on their schedule the last several years, you know, famously beating, you know, a ranked K-State when they had Carson Watt or Carson Wentz there. They beat Iowa a few years ago when they were ranked. I mean, so like they just they're they're just a, they're a, they're a powerhouse. They, they are a good football program. They played ball the right way. Um, these guys that come out of there are NFL ready kids um, athletically, mentally, all that stuff. So um, I think he would have been ranked higher. And like a story with that, too, is. Going into, and I think I can share this, but I have already, so I'm going to anyways. But, Are we going to uh, some go, uh, go, underage Packers breaking news here? You could, but I, I've said this before. And uh, he, so going into this last year, Watson was actually recruited really heavily by Notre Dame mm. and recruited, you know, that stuff that kind of goes on behind closed doors was like, hey, enter the transfer border and come, come here. Um, well, that shoot, was, that was on Notre Dame, then there would have been even more of a stigma about him. As a probably skill probably so yeah uh you know, goal then he just would have been the next eq you know oh, big <laughs> yeah, athletic guy you know so uh but yeah so i mean big big time programs wanted him you know is is what was what we're saying here too is like so it's not just like he slipped through the cracks and nobody knew who he was they knew who he was but at that point it's just like man i've been here i'm staying here i got one year left and heck i'm gonna go 34th overall anyway so who cares so yeah. uh yeah, so I think he probably would have went higher if he went to a different school, but he didn't, and uh, I still think he's ready to play. Great. I'm really excited for him. Um, and like you were talking about a little bit earlier about Aaron having to spread the ball out more, um, those games where Devontae was absent, of course, everybody loves to throw out the fact that they were, what was it, 7-0 and uh, in Matt Fleur era when they were without Devontae. And to a certain point, I mean – I'm sure the the opposing team's defense was had there was a whole other level of preparation that they just weren't prepared for, and obviously losing Devontae doesn't help this Packers offense out one bit. But in those games without Devontae, Aaron was certainly having to throw the ball around a lot more, hitting up a lot of more guys, and that prevents situations like you had in the divisional game against San Francisco, where Aaron is looking for Devontae and nobody else tunnel vision on him. Um, no more clear than the final offensive play of the game for Green Bay. So uh, hopefully get to see a new wave of this Packers offense from Aaron um, and get us that third MVP for Mr. Rogers. Um, all right, two more questions here, um, both round table. So Big B, let's start with you here. Uh, Packers address some key positions, obviously, in this draft. But what is your biggest concern you still have about this team. Obviously, nothing too much. Uh, you know, we they still got three or so months until they have to go out there on the field. But what is your biggest concern about the Packers at this point? 
Um, probably depth at safety. I mean, they really don't have very much behind Amos and Savage. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to draft safety earlier than they did, but they didn't, of course. They took Tariq in the seventh round, I think it was. But that is probably my biggest concern so so far here. Um, Hoping they were going to sign the Honey Badger, but of course that didn't Mm -hmm. happen. But that's beside the point. But it's definitely depth at safety. Yeah, the position next to Tariq's name, it's the S. It doesn't stand for safety. It stands for special teamer. Um, Probably. That is very true. um, Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um, For me, I would have to say uh, at the tight end position, uh, just because you have Robert Tunyon coming back from the ACL injury, hopefully uh, ready for the season. Packers just have way too many ACL uh, recoveries that they're waiting on. And I think David Bakhtiari's long recovery path has us all uh, extra scared now. But just fact, they have plenty of tight ends overall. But, um, you know, if you look at Mercedes Lewis, Josiah Aguara, Dominique Daphne, Tyler Davis, you know, Daphne and Davis might end up fighting over a roster spot. But really, out of those four, excluding Tunyon, there's not a clear – uh, receiving tight end. I think DeGuara has that ability as an H-back, but they could, certainly could use another tight end here in that room, at least for competition uh, for another target prayer and throw the ball to. Uh, Jake, what is your biggest concern? Well, I think both those spots are, that you guys just touched on are are pretty much it, right? Like those are two spots that I think a lot of people would have expected them to take someone and they didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the two spots a lot of people, well, they kind of need the tight end of the future. Didn't take anybody. They might need a third safety. Didn't take anybody. You know, I think with safety, I think with safety, like the question of, you know, what happens if, you know, Amos or Savage gets hurt? I think Sewell goes, moves to safety then at that point. And that might be how they view it. Um, but it is concerning. I mean, that's going to change the way they want to do things. Um, that could be a spot they still go and add depth. Um, the tight end position, I I think they would really like to get someone. Um, and if they really like Tyler Davis, maybe they really do. You know, I, I don't know. We'll find out soon enough. Um, that could very much be Goody saying, yeah, we really like this Tyler Davis kid. And it could Herman also possibly pulling some strings in the front office there. Could, could be good, but it could also be shoot. We there, we wanted to take a tight end, but we just, we just there wasn't one there. Fine. So, Hey, we like Tyler Davis, you know, like I, we really don't know um, with, with tight end, though, too, I think I think they're in an interesting spot because if if Tunyon comes back from his ACL and is has, is good, you know, plays well, you know, he's a pretty good player. And, yeah. you know, will they want to upgrade that spot? And what will his contract situation look like? Like if he comes back and catches 10 touchdowns again and has 750 receiving yards, they might just pay him and be like, this is our tight end. And, you know, if DeGuara takes a step forward, that could be something as well. And then if Tyler did, I mean, Maybe, maybe he is good. Who knows? But so I think tight end, they at least have like guys that we can point to and be like, well, maybe this guy's good right. with safety. I, like who we, who we hang our hat on here, <laughs> Vernon Scott yeah. coming in and playing good and his gains. I mean, there's just, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel after their top two at safety. So that is a position that I wouldn't be shocked at all if they kind of go and uh, you know, and round and you know rummage through the the bargain bin and see if they can find someone you know all uh 
Campbell or uh, Rasul last year, mm-hmm. uh, something that Gutenkunst has proven to be pretty good at. So we'll see. You know, I don't think it's uh, necessarily a great idea to have the expectation that you're just going to go find an all pro off of someone's practice squad. But, hey, they did it twice last year. So, <laughs> yeah, keep it why rolling. not again? Or who knows, who whoever it is um, from St. Norbert's, you know, maybe he'll become a star. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, one last thing I want to ask, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, personal favorite draft pick. Throw evaluations, what the draft pundits tell you about them. Uh, just pure, what is your favorite pick here in this draft, Big B? Okay. I'm going to change it up. I was going to go Kingsley, but I'll, I'll decide to go somebody else here. I'm going to go with Romeo Dobbs. I really, 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 really like this pick in the uh, fourth round. He will be probably our deep threat, but I definitely think he can be more than just a deep threat. Mm-hmm. And like I said, in our day two re- or no day three recap, he's a little raw, but he's a very good route runner. So that, so he can definitely add a lot more to this offense than a lot of people think. Yeah, I think uh, Jake Romeo was one of those guys, too, that you said was a great fit for the Packers or that you saw him going to the Packers at some point in the draft, this draft. Uh, why do you think that? Well, you look at his athletic profile and he's, you know, he's the requisite size. Uh, they love they love guys that are going to play that outside receiver that are above 200. Um, we kind of had to wait on his measurables, but when you watched him play as far as like his 40 three cone vert, stuff like that plays fast plays. I mean, you can tell he's an athletic kid. Um, and then the other thing that green Bay has typically really liked in some of these guys is being productive. And he's got back to back 1000 yard receiving seasons for uh, Nevada. And uh, he's just a guy that fits the mold of what, what they've brought in, in the past. And, uh, I feel like for the wide receiver position, we've got it down pretty good, what they like. Mm-hmm. And I think this year was a pretty good uh, proof of that. And uh, I and like what Big B was saying, I think, you know, he is a, he's, he's a better route runner than people give him credit for coming from that air raid offense. Uh, you know, just if for him, it's going to be getting on the same page with 12 uh, because he's a guy that is, yeah, like talking about your favorite picks in this draft, like he's he's got to be up there. Um, I think he's going to be a fan favorite pretty quick. People love that 87 he chose mm-hmm. to wear um, as well. So uh, he's going to be a guy, and especially for a fan base that is just desperate now for a good wide receiver play. Uh, either of those guys, you know, any anybody that steps up and shows any type of promise, I think uh, Packers Nation is just going to cling on to you like really fast. Absolutely. Yeah, my favorite pick would have to be Devontae Wyatt. I'm like, I, I'm just so excited for him to be a wrecking ball on this defensive line. Uh, other than that, though, unless you guys have anything to add, I think that's where we're going to end this one off. Jake, uh, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks for having me, fellas. It was fun. Of course. Anytime. All right. That was a fun time with our friend Jake there. Like I said, very knowledgeable, very smart, very fun. So make sure you follow him on Twitter and everywhere else he is. Um, now, I wanted to make one last comment about the draft. Uh, And then I'll talk about the new Dr. Pepper play for that. I'm very excited to give my review on. But anyways, um, you know, Peter Bukowski and uh, Bob McGinn are two names that I'm sure you've seen a lot of uh, lately if you are on Packers Twitter. And look, Bob McGinn, a little past my time as far as uh, reporters and media personalities go. So that says enough about Bob, you know, 
he's he is the old man yelling at the cloud. Um, yes, he, but he is pretty much a dinosaur. <laughs> Bob McGinn was covering Curly Lambeau's first start at Green Bay East, probably. I believe it. Allegedly. That's what our sources tell us here at Underage Packer. But um, one who is very relevant still is Peter Bukowski, who had a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts during this draft week. And, hey, you know, he should have thoughts. He's He writes on the Packers professionally, and he, he is, the, of course, the host of the number one Packers podcast, Locked On Packers. He's very successful off with the Locked On Network, and I respect Peter for that. I, I you know, whenever I'm bored, like listening to some Locked On Packers, there is a few verbal tics that he has that drive me nuts sometimes, but, hey. <laughs> We all have those, um, and I won't make fun of that. But like I said, a lot of thoughts during this draft week, and one that became he got a lot of criticism for was his take that he responded to somebody saying, "Look, some the person was saying, look, dude, you have no better idea than us. You are not in the Packers draft. You cannot predict the future of how these prospects are going to turn out. So for you to sit here." and act like you do know what's going to happen is insane. And Peter foolishly replied, hey, we're not the same. He said, well, with all due respect, we're not the same. I do this for a living, which is a pretty arrogant response. <laughs> and I, I, I would hope that Peter has come around to that realization now. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, I had a funny joke about that on my Twitter feed, so I'm not going to mentioned that part too much but the thing that really eked me about peter's takes his endless takes this draft cycle was his take on the quay walk pick now look like i mentioned when we were talking about it with jake i it was not a pick that i was extremely excited about like i was with Devontae white when roger goodell first came and announced it i wasn't jumping up with joy um mainly because of a position but Peter's reaction to this over time, still a few days later, you know, is he doesn't have the most potential. He is not what the Packers need. He's not the best value. And his main point is he was drafted too high. They could have still, you know, they should have passed on him, drafted whoever else they wanted. You know, they still had Karloftis, a lot of other good players on the board, drafted whoever else they wanted at pick 22 waited to round two to select an inside linebacker. Um, and, you know, problem solved. Beam, bam, bada, boom, ba, you know. But <laughs> the thing about this is Peter says uh, Quay was like, well, you know, linebacker, whatever, on my board. I had players higher than him. Why didn't they just, you know, wait and select those players I had higher on my board or whatever, you know, who were the consistent higher, better players. And – the thing that just really gets me about this is like, no, they didn't draft an inside linebacker. They drafted Quay Walker. Mm -hmm. They didn't draft a wide receiver. They drafted Christian Watson. Them drafting somebody at inside linebacker in round two is not the same as drafting Quay Walker. As Jake laid out for us, Quay has a special set of abilities uh, for his physicalness, his athleticness at his size. So to sit there and say that they could have gotten better value with a, a different inside linebacker in round two, 
I, I just cannot get on board with that. So I just want to put that out there, uh, not to attack Peter or bring on any more criticism of him that he's very much getting at this time. Still a little bit of that from after that. Cause like I said, I have a lot of respect for Peter, but just wanted to address that point. And also that's just a very popular thinking mindset of the draft uh, media. Now, moving on from my thoughts about Peter Bukowski, I did want to talk. Wait, wait, wait. Before, we, before you move on, I, I do want to add something now. Uh-huh. I really like what I think, trying to remember, I think it was Perry said, mm. and I really like this point. So, you know, there was Devin Lloyd still on the board. There was the Kobe Dean still on the board. There was, of course, mm-hmm. Quay Walker still on the board. I think that was the three that she pointed out. The Packers got the guy who they wanted. Like, yeah. like we know that he was their guy because they passed on better prospects to pick Quay Walker. So they really liked Quay Walker. Yeah, and I, I, I like what you're saying there too. And also the fact that the fact that they drafted Walker at 22 and Wyatt at 28, I think says a lot about how the Packers board compares to the media's consensus, consensus board. That's a big word. Um, But just the fact that they drafted Walker at 22 and then Gudikin said they weren't expecting to have Wyatt available at 28. And you look at the other names available for them and you're like, wow, there's a lot of guys that, probably or were expected to go higher they obviously very much like quay he was their guy and they were going to get him so it's no doubt about that um now on to something that i absolutely love and that we both absolutely love that is dr pepper and it wouldn't be you know we already got one dr pepper reference in there uh still not sponsored yet by the way but I wanted to talk here. You know, you can click off if you don't want to hear my review on this. But Dr. Pepper recently released Dr. Pepper Dark Fairy. And first of all, like, look at this. Look at this glorious camp. I mean, it's just shining in my lights. You got a little Jurassic World collectible action going on here. I absolutely love it. It tastes fantastic. Like I was saying to Big B earlier, I don't even know how to describe the taste. It almost tastes like, now don't get put off when I say this. It almost tastes like LaCroix, but good. I think LaCroix is the worst drink ever invented, and it needs to be flushed down toilets around America. I, but it, I get the same, almost like a grape, almost raspberry type taste from it. And I'm a big fan. So <laughs> long way of saying, get yourself some Dr. Pepper Dark Berry right now. Not sponsored. Dr. Pepper, please reach out to us. You can DM us on Twitter or Instagram. We're always big. Yes. Big B, any thoughts on the new Dr. Doc Berry, Dr. Pepper, or any more praise you want to give to Kingsley and Negbar? Um. No, I'm excited to try it though. Um, I'm I'm probably gonna go looking for it tomorrow, mm-hmm. so that's fun. Um, Man, you have no idea. I think I got the the release date wrong for it because this Wednesday 
I went to the gas station near my house and they didn't have it. And then I was like, all right, I'll go to Target. They didn't have it. And I was like, uh, but I did see it on Walmart's website. So I was like, oh, the Target and Walmart for me is like pretty much completely across town. But I went to that Walmart. They didn't have it. But right next to Walmart is a Culver's. So I got some Culver's at the end of the day, which made it worth it. But then yesterday, Thursday, I went and got uh, a whole pack of it. So I was glad to have that. Nice, nice. Got the mission accomplished. But that is all we have for you today. We thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you did enjoy it, make sure to like this video if you're watching on YouTube or leave us a good rating on our Spotify or Apple podcast account. Uh, and we, we, we will re- really appreciate it. We, we, <laughs> and we, we will talk to you later as always go pack. Go.